This week on Three Questions by Corey Kareem. Look, man, I, I almost got fired at Accenture because I wasn't copying uh, my boss on emails. And my belief was, hey, I'm working. Why should I show to everybody else that I'm working? Uh, and that reality will you know, manifest itself. The problem is that by the time reality comes to manifest itself, perception has done the damage and you're fired. Mm. So the biggest lesson that I've learned is perception over reality. Perception matters. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back to Three Questions by Corey Kareem, the show where we sit down with some amazing people who've done some amazing things. And that's right. You guessed it. We asked them three questions, not about their successes, though, but rather about their failures and most specifically about the lessons that they learned from their failures. Uh, so today's guest is actually a good friend of mine. We've known each other for a few years. Um, Adil, what do you prefer? Don't you have a nickname of some sort? I, I just want to introduce you with the proper uh, nickname. Uh, that you it's have. my name is Adil, as in let's make a deal, a deal, and uh, that's basically the nickname if you want one. Okay, there you go. So make a deal, a deal. That's how we're. That's what we're running with. So nice. Adil is the group product manager for Sportsnet at Rogers Media. Uh, Adil is also a two-time former founder and CEO of two startups who sold, by the way. I like how you put that in your description. I appreciate that. And he's also a former Accenture consultant. So he's a very well-accomplished individual. So Adil, um, welcome to the show, my brother. How are you? Good to be on, Corey. It's been, uh, it's been a while, man. And yeah. uh, I mean, I, I kind of feel bad for you now that the Raptors are out and they're doing terrible and so forth. But uh, yeah, we'll talk about that a little later. I don't have <laughs> blind loyalty right now. My team are the Nets. So That's I not what it was a few years ago, man. That's not how it was. I don't remember. People that. grow, they evolve. Okay, well, that's they, pretty good. They open up, you know. Okay, I, that's good to know. I'm fluid now, right? So, uh, Adil, as as you know, with this show, I, I typically ask three questions, and in all honesty, it's actually more like five. Okay. Um, but we're going to talk about some of the experiences you have, and more importantly, uh, the lessons that you learned uh, throughout these experiences as it pertains to you building a business and obviously you building a successful Instagram profile, which we won't mention. But um, so let's just start with the first question. So, uh, as a person who was the CEO of not one, but two startups, what was the biggest failure? you had out of those two experiences and tell me about that moment and why you believe it was the biggest failure uh, that you had. Yeah. You know, it's actually two things. One is build something that is actually a need, not a want. Right. Mm. And the other is that, um, you know, build something that you actually have the skills for. Okay. So those two combined uh, have led to, I guess, something that I've been good at or not been good at. So my first startup was a helpline for immigrant youth and uh, me being an immigrant myself, there are a lot of challenges that you have to navigate through in your life. So I launched that uh, helpline and it went viral within 18 months. It kind of went global. And it's because, A, there was a need for it. People really, like myself and others, wanted to speak about their issues. Um, and B, I could do it because I could deliver that counseling service to them. Okay. Go fast forward to my next startup <clears throat> after Accenture. I launched this uh, high school sports uh, social network, if you want to call it. 
And the idea there was to, you know, allow high school athletes to put all their stats, highlights, accomplishments all in one place so they could use it for recruiting, for bragging rights, et cetera, right? Now, two things happened there. <clears throat> a, it wasn't a need, even though when I had spoken to them, I'd quit my job and going, you know, uh, game after game to different high schools and taking stats and talking to coaches and so forth. And they're all talking about how this is amazing. You're a revol- revolutionary. We need this. Mm-hmm. Um, even though that was said, I'll tell you a story about why I realized that it wasn't a need, it was a want. And then couple that with the fact that it was a tech product. I'm not a developer. Mm. I don't know how to build products. So I had to rely on an amazing co-founder of mine, as well as some other friends or engineers to develop this. And that would take a long time, right? And I was sometimes sitting around waiting for the product to be ready and trying my best to do as much as the of the marketing work as possible. But at the end of the day, it was very frustrating. So what happened was a year into this, uh, people are telling me that they love this product, but they're not using it. So I, I go to this massive basketball tournament in Windsor where the top Canadian athletes or top Canadian high school athletes come to compete. Mm-hmm. I go there, I put up a projector, I'm taking their stats and projecting it so that, you know, to create the vibe, create the environment and so forth. And people are looking at it, they're saying, oh, that's pretty cool. And then that was it, right? And so I went and sat uh, in the bleachers for one of the games with all these athletes and they're watching the game. Okay. These are the top athletes that are trying to get into D one division one um, college you know, scholarships. That's yeah. right. It's college and scholarships. Right. And the half an hour or so that I was sitting there, all I heard them talk about was sex girls and exams. Right. <laughs> and I was like, look, that's what I'm going up against them being teenagers right now, that's what's on their mind, even though they are at the most elite tournament while there are recruiters around. So it just didn't make any sense. So there wasn't a need. And I'd been wasting my time uh, building something that I couldn't build. I was waiting on somebody else. So that took me many, you know, many months of uh, money lost and so forth. And so I would say that's the biggest failure, man. Don't build something that you cannot build yourself. And I'll show you how that informed my Instagram account. And then don't build something that is not really a need. And here's the thing, and I'll, I'll end with this point. If you can build something yourself, then it allows you to get through the cycles of need versus want. Mm. So you may put something out and you're like, well, actually, nobody really wants this. Okay, no problem. I can build again, so I'll build. But if you're relying on somebody else, you can't go through those cycles. So uh, those are the two big things that made me fail. Uh, need not want and building something that I can't actually build myself. Right. And you bring up a valid point, but I want to throw something at you. So I don't know about you, but I've heard this. I won't say a lot, but sometimes you hear these testimonials about I had no idea what I was doing. I just jumped right into it. And, you know, 10, 15 years later. So I think of I don't know if you're familiar with the Masterclass app, but I, I watched the uh, Sarah Blakely, right, the founder yeah. of Spanx. <clears throat> And she was like, I've never done, you know, yeah. fashion design. I didn't go to school for fashion design. She was selling fax machines. Um, so what is your kind of POV on that? Is that just luck in her standpoint, like in those type of situations? Or what yeah. do you say to that? I, I love her story. Um, I've heard it a couple of times, how she's going and getting rejected after rejection and so forth. Mm-hmm. Look, her thing is very different. She very much knew that there was a need. Mm-hmm. That there was no question about that because even when she had taken samples to the women, we went up when women said, Oh my God, I love this. I went out with them and I had an amazing time. Mm-hmm. Right. So she was targeting a very, very core problem. Now, in terms of, you know, not having your, you know, the ability to actually build it yourself, 
in this case, you know, in my mind, she's an exception. She had the persistence to buy the time that she needs Mm -hmm. to get contractors and so forth to build it. But really, she had a very clear need that she validated. And once, honestly, once you have a need, it allows you to get through a lot of bad things. Like Mark Mm -hmm. Andreessen is famous for saying, you know, uh, a good product market fit hides a lot of bad management. Mm. And so that's what happened here. A, a massive need, very persistent, obviously very smart woman, then goes out and she's able to put, I think she had put in five years before it went anywhere. Yeah. So that's a long time that she gave herself to get mm. to that point. But the need was right. Imagine if that wasn't need, that right. would have been a really difficult thing for her. Right. And so with that, what, 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 what do you say to that bumper sticker phrase? They don't really say it much now. Build it and they will come. What's your, what's your, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a massive myth. Uh, To some extent, it was started by Marissa Mayer Mm -hmm. or Meyer, however you say her last name when she was at Google and people talked about it, but that was Google uh, Mm -hmm. and it was the internet, you know, formation of internet days. It doesn't work that way. It's a very noisy place. You can build it and people just won't come because they have a 50,000 other places to go to. Like it just doesn't work that way. Right. Um, So I think it's, it's an outdated advice now. No, I think you made some very valid points. And I think of, um, I sat down with the co-host of the Marilyn Dennis show uh, a few months ago, and we kind of had a very similar discussion. And he said, you know, if I was to talk to my 18-year-old self, he said, I would tell my 18-year-old self to figure out what I'm really good at, then figure out a way to make money from it, and then find someone who's kind of doing what I'm doing and get them to be my mentor. He thinks every kid should should kind of start off there. Because to your point, you know, if you have the kind of innate ability, skill set to do something, you can really build off that. And obviously you're going to need some passion to get you through those tough times as well. So hundred percent agree with that. So let's go on to question number two. Let's, so let's talk about what everybody wants to know, right? The Instagram profile. Uh, now you've grown a few accounts. Uh, one of them in particular has over 200,000 followers. So Talk to me about some of the mistakes you made around growing uh, certain IG accounts or social media accounts. And what are some of the common mistakes you see other people making when trying to grow their social media uh, following? Okay, so let's set the context. It's anonymous for a reason. I am anonymous Mm -hmm. on that account. Um, That's why we're not mentioning the name here. But uh, it's an account that I launched about two years ago. It's almost 300,000 followers now. And the mistake that I made in the beginning was I didn't ask for what you call shout outs in the memeers community or Instagram influencer communities. Mm-hmm. So it took me, I think, three months to get to 5,000 followers, which is mm-hmm. quite slow. Um, and some of the other accounts that were coming in, they were not, not only were the networking, because I was networking too, but they were asking the big accounts, hey, would you mind giving a shout out to me? And they, mm-hmm. would, you know, they grew a little faster than I did at that time. And so I would say when you're starting off, there are a lot of people who are willing to help you. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even now that I'm a bigger account, people ask me for shout outs and those who just kind of, Hey man, can I get a shout out? I don't really, I'm not really enticed to interact with them, but those who genuinely are having a conversation with you a couple of times, DM this and that, and they ask you for a shout out. It works. It really mm-hmm. does work. People are out there who want to help you out, who want to get you noticed and so forth. So um, if I were to start again, I would do that. And it's a very important point here around when you're building anything, really, if you don't ask, you're not going to be given. So that's mm-hmm. the big mistake that I was making was that, that I wasn't asking. Uh, I think you also asked uh, 
what mistakes other people make. Is that correct? Yeah. What are some common mistakes you yeah. see other people making? So, you know, people don't have a focus or a purpose. Like I understand it's an Instagram account, but mm-hmm. it is it's still something that requires traction. And you still have to have a purpose behind it. You still have to have a focus and a reason behind it. And so what many people do is they'll start generic accounts, like generic, you know, meme accounts and lifestyle accounts and so forth. And what happens is that they don't get a lot of traction because there's so many other ones that are out there like that. Or worse, there are some big ones that came early when Instagram uh, had just started and they've taken up that, you know, uh, sort of title of that big generic all-inclusive mm. account. And so it's very hard for you to compete. And so people don't do that very well. They don't have a purpose to focus. A lot of them just want to launch it off and then see what happens, which is fine if it's part of, you know, your experiment. The other thing that people don't do is they don't stay consistent, right? Mm. So they start off by, so one extreme is they're very generic. The other extreme is they're so specific and they're so inundated with this idea of I've got to make it perfect that putting out a post or a video becomes a very cumbersome activity. And mm-hmm. so they fizzle out within two, three months of fantastic posts. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing you know, they're gone because it's very hard to keep up, right? Mm-hmm. So my belief is you start somewhere in the middle, have a focus and a reason. And then the more you can define your niche, mm-hmm. the better it's going to be for you to attract that niche and then get the word of mouth going. Okay. Mm. So there are accounts, for example, that are very, you know, finance oriented. Okay. And within the finance, they're focusing on crypto and within right. crypto, they're focusing on Bitcoin. Okay. Right. Now imagine once that, once that account gets to a Bitcoin community, mm-hmm. or once that account is discovered by five or 10 Bitcoin people. Okay. And then it's adding value. We'll talk about how you can add value, but let's say it's adding value right now. Mm-hmm. That those 10 Bitcoin people have hundreds of people in their social circles across mm-hmm. social media, in person, out of person, then they will tell them. That's how a lot of these accounts grow is that others literally go out of their way to say, hey, I'm following this account. I love it. Or I learned from this account. So right. if the focus isn't there, people don't know what to expect from you because it's so generic. And then B, they don't really know how to tell about you to somebody else. Saying to somebody, hey, Corey, this is a finance account that I like is very different than, Hey, Corey, this is a crypto account that focuses on Bitcoin Mm. because that focus, there's just a much more clarity, which then leads to action. And in this case, the action will be to follow the account. Right. And so on that note, what would you say is the most important metric that one who's trying to grow their social media following? So let's just stick with Instagram. What is the most important metric that one should be paying attention to? So the thing is, you have to keep in mind that a a follower journey or a user journey goes through three phases, right? There's the acquisition phase where you're trying to get them in. Mm -hmm. There is um, an engagement phase when you want to, you know, make them loyal to you and work with you and engage with you. Mm -hmm. And then there's one where is the retention phase. So you have to think about, okay, am I putting this post out because it's going to lead to a lot of growth for my account? Is that what my intention is? Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, then the most important metric is shares. And for me, if you were to ask one metric, it's shares, because that means that somebody found a valuable to share. But sometimes that's not enough, because sometimes, look, you have a lot of your followers who came in, you know, following you for certain types of posts, okay? Mm. Or there are certain types of posts that they really, really enjoy. They may not get a lot of share, but they get a lot of likes. You want to put those out as well to continue to engage your existing, your current audience, Right. Mm-hmm. And then there is the saved. 
Um, saved and comments are the ones that are that allow you to see how many people are finding value that they will stay with you. So mm-hmm. if a post has a lot of saved, that means there was a lot of value and these people are most likely going to stay longer than had they not saved and saved with comments. Uh, so it's, it's a cross and you have to think it that way. Today, like for us, you know, we put anywhere from 10 to 12 posts and we have a defined reason for why we're putting those posts out. Some of these posts are with the intent of getting new followers in. Mm-hmm. Some of these posts are with the intent of engaging our existing audience and so forth. Right. Oh, that's uh, you just dropped some gems right there, my friend. Saved. I've actually never heard the saved in the comments I knew, but I never actually heard anyone say, talk about the saved before. So that, that, that part was new to me. No, that's awesome. Um, so question number three, um, throughout your professional career journey, um, what is the best lesson you believe you've learned from failing thus far? And if you could give one piece of advice uh, to the millions of people out there that are going to be tuning in, listening um, about experiencing failure right now, what would that be? Okay. So that's like two questions or one and a half questions. So let's I, I break told, them down. I told you there's going to be five and three. So let's ask number one. <laughs> yeah. That's your per- professional career. What is the best lesson you've learned from failing? Look, man, I, I almost got fired at Accenture because I wasn't copying uh, my boss on emails. And my belief was, hey, I'm working. Why should I show to everybody else that I'm working? Uh, and that reality will you know, manifest itself. The problem is that by the time reality comes to manifest itself, perception has done the damage and you're fired. So the biggest lesson that I've learned is perception over reality. Perception matters. Now, some people focus too much on perception and they can't walk it. And some people focus on too much reality and they can't talk it. And that's a problem on both ends. So you have to balance perception. You have to balance reality, work your ass off. And then you have to find smarter ways to let people know that you're working your ass off. Otherwise, people won't know, especially in a corporate world, in a professional setting. There are a lot of people out there who are trying to make a name for themselves, Mm -hmm. legitimately or illegitimately. So there's a lot of noise out there. There's always some superstars that are well known, whether, you know, there is value or there's merit to their uh, well-knownness or not. So your goal is to make sure that you are balancing both perception and reality. Otherwise, unfortunately, you're going to find that you're burnt out because nobody's recognizing your work or mm-hmm. because you focus so much on perception, you're full of insecurities because you know at some point somebody's going to find out that you're full of shit and then you're like, oh my God. So you got to do both. Yep. No, that's a valid point. And I think a lot of people can relate to the both sides of that coin. And so to the last part of that question, the half part, yes. as you will, um, I think you might have just given it, but I'm going to ask it again anyways. But if you can give one piece of advice to the millions of people experiencing failure right now, what would that one piece of advice be? Yeah. um, You know, keep, keep adding value in unique ways. Okay. Like these are, there's three operational words in there. Um, The key part is consistency. You're going through something difficult, Mm -hmm keep moving forward, but then you got to think about what are you actually adding value to, right? And value is a combination of product market fit, meaning you're able to deliver something. Mm-hmm. Somebody else is finding valuable. That is actually adding value to whatever you're doing, right? So you keep adding value and then you got to do it in unique ways because just like you are doing something, there are many others who are doing something similar. So you might be failing because you're just not doing it in a unique enough in a unique enough manner. So you have to find a, a way to say, I'm adding value, but this is how I do it differently, right? Whether it's cheaper, luxurious, what channel, specific segment, 
type of business model, maybe your personality it could be a variety of different things, but mm-hmm. there's got to be something unique. And I'll connect back back to Instagram uh, posts for for now. A lot of times when people do is they post the same generic formats, for instance. Well, that's gone stale now. Yeah, you might be adding some value in a, mm-hmm. in a particular satirical manner, but that format is so um, used up and washed out that people are like, mm, I'm just going to walk away from it. So for us, for example, we have to constantly come up with new formats to keep things fresh. So if you're running your business, you're going to start a business, okay? You might have done well, but guess what? Everybody starts copying you. And so now you have, if you don't have the muscle of adding uniqueness to your product and thinking of it in that way, mm-hmm. you're going to find difficulty. And the last one that I would add to that is then you keep adjusting. So you're keeping adding value in unique ways and you keep adjusting, you keep adjusting, you keep adjusting. Mm-hmm. And, but the goal is you're adjusting to either help with the keep aspect, which is the consistency play, or help with the value aspect, which is figuring out, okay, well, this is actually not necessarily needed or it's, uh, it's needed in a different way or keep adjusting the uniqueness that you bring to the market. Um, that I think, I mean, I found those three things. If I'm finding, if I find myself struggling, I find that any one of these three or four things isn't working. Either I'm not adjusting or I'm adding value that everybody else is providing anyway. And so right. that leads to struggles and so forth. And that, by the way, is also how, if you're looking at you know any anything to grow, but especially in Instagram, that is how you're going to lead to growth because you're fresh. You're doing things differently, and that is keeping people entertained. Well said, my friend. That was well. That was one hell of a sermon you just gave there. I, I appreciate <laughs> that. That was no. That was good. I actually took some notes, my friend. Nice. I, I took some notes. So here's uh, here's one of my key takeaways. I always like to um, myself point out something that resonated well with me, and I think it was due to your last point when you're talking about the consistency, as in keep going. That's obviously something that a lot of people can relate to. But then you added in two key points that I think is so often overlooked is, you know, coming up with unique ideas, keeping it fresh and then adjusting, pivoting, whatever other word you want to use for that. I think a lot of people get comfortable in doing something that they know. And I think that also ties into the part where you also have to keep learning. Right. Steve Jobs used to say, you know, stay curious, stay hungry, stay foolish. Right. Venture out into new areas. I know when you and I had a conversation about a week or two ago, just experiment with things and see what sticks, you know? So I think those are some, some sound words and advice you just gave here today. I, and guys, as I always like to end with, you know, if you ever want to impress people, uh, talk about your successes, your wins, but if you ever want to have an impact on, on someone's life, um, talk about your failures, share the stuff that you've gone through. Um, those are the things that really move people. So uh, that's the end of this episode, guys. Let's stay in touch. Um, Adil and myself, we're going to talk offline and catch up on some good times. But um, until next time, everybody, peace and love. We're out.